0: Slowly at first, then all at once. You've heard the expression before, and it's often used to describe how things change. We don't realize that they're changing until something happens, which forces our attention onto that something. Recessions don't really work the same way, but we think that they do, because we don't realize that they're happening because they happen very slowly. They kind of creep up on us, and then they get to the worst part, and that's the all at once that we all remember. Going back to 2008, the first half of the Great Recession was basically hardly any... I mean, there was still an argument about whether or not there was going to be a recession, and a legitimate one. At least it seemed to be a legitimate one, because, as I bring up all the time, the NBER said, we looked at the data, and it didn't look all that bad until all of a sudden it actually did, as if the rug was just yanked out from under the entire economy. Well, that wasn't the case. The recession was building all the while. The crisis was building all the while. It's just that many people didn't really get forced into noticing it until the worst parts hit. So we associate recessions with the worst parts without realizing that there are there's really usually a very slow buildup to it. And it's really... It comes down to trying to figure out where does that go from slowly at first, then all at once. What is that transition from the transition into the worst part of the recession? Well, we, we're getting all sorts of warning signs that tell us that maybe we're in that part where it's, it's been slowly at first and we're moving toward the, the dreaded all at once. Um, WTI is back in contango again. Remember WTI and contango last December told us what to expect about China reopening, about the global economic situation, not really a soft landing. All the oil that ended up into crude storage. Then the market rebalanced. Everybody said things are going right. More supply factors than demand, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But yet here we are. As I sit, the WTI curve is now a nickel, five pennies into contango in the front two contracts when it should be nowhere near. That's a a possible suggestion about getting toward all at once. As is what Home Depot said yesterday. Home Depot reported very sobering results. Sobering results. Here's what the Associated Press had to say about Home Depot. After years of explosive growth during the pandemic, Home Depot's revenue during the first quarter fell short of expectations and the company cut its profit and sales outlook for the year sending shares lower at the opening bell. Home Depot on Tuesday projected its first decline in annual re- revenue since 2009 in the aftermath of the housing of the bursting of the housing bubble and the financial crisis. Now you can say well Home Depot that's just housing which has had a rough time. Uh, They benefited, obviously, from the supply shock, consumer prices, especially in lumber, which the company cited. Therefore, Home Depot is another outlier that we can pile on top of a whole heap of outliers that continue to proliferate. But as I said, it's not just Home Depot. We've got WTI. We've got other retailers like Target. We've got the entire marketplace telling us interest rates are going to go down, go down soon, and go down by a lot slowly at first, then all at once. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Yuridal University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, Yuridal University has memberships available. If you're interested, there's exclusive content on the background behind the monetary system, what's really going on there, what the Fed does and what it doesn't do, not much in the other category, and How all of these things fit together with the modern system, the modern economy, which I also have research subscriptions available, a daily briefing I do in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. That's Tracy Schuchard and Steven Van Meter. And a daily deep dive analysis at Eurodollar University subscription there where we dive deep into all of these monetary and macro topics to understand what's really going on here with all of these things, putting them together in a way that makes sense so that we can understand what is most likely or the best of our ability to find out what's most likely for what's ahead of us all the information for you at eurodollar.university so home depot said essentially we've seen a change in consumer behavior you can say that's well that's diyers those are people who are renovating their homes but either way Home Depot is the first of the retailers that has, that has noted a change in behavior in consumers after there was an already change in behavior of consumers who became more choosy and picky last year. That was the transition phase. And now maybe we're seeing the transition from the transition into the all at once recession crisis phase. But it wasn't just Home Depot. Today we got earnings report from Target. Target, one of the largest retailers in the world. And this is more general macro than specific categories of consumers. And what Target's um, executive vice president and chief growth officer had to say should, should be concerning to anyone who has an interest in where the economy sits and where it's actually going. What she said was, in many ways, the themes of the first quarter operating environment were very similar to what we've outlined in recent quarters. So it likely comes as no surprise that we continue to face elevated volatility and see a right reprioritization of spending away from discretionary categories in the face of persistent inflation in groceries and essentials. That's basically the headwinds, as she said, that have faced consumers, that consumers have faced ever since last year. But now there's more headwinds and they're not just about consumer prices. Uh, Continuing with Ms. Hennington, American consumers continue to face difficult trade-off decisions as they juggle the wants and needs of their families. Consumer savings rates are down, and while inflation rates are finally declining, so is consumer confidence, something we talked about just recently on the show. The fear of a looming recession weighs heavily on many families, because it's not just a fear. It's not just, hey, this bad stuff might happen. It's American consumers who are, more, who are more in tune with the actual economy than any economists and many corporate managers who say, this isn't a recession risk, this is a recession reality for us already. We've had to pay a lot more to get a lot less. And I'm gonna go over some sobering statistics on that front a little bit later. And so it's time to pay the piper. All the distortions over the last couple of years have finally come home, and then we add into those your banking crisis, which is his own way of developing from those distortions, and what can possibly go right that leads us into the Goldilocks soft landing, or even what is now the Goldilocks scenario, which is a mild recession that Jay Powell envisions will help him in his inflation fight. And that a mild recession actually do does us more good than harm. That's just not in the cards either, as we're seeing in the marketplace, and now we're seeing in these corporate anecdotes, in the data, China reopening that didn't go well. In fact, it's going in reverse now. Everything continues to move in the direction that markets had told us to, that markets forewarned us was likely to happen. One final note on target, going back to Christina Hennington again, total sales were strongest in February, began decelerating in March and softened further near the end of April. Is that just random coincidence? Because we've seen the same thing as I pointed out yesterday in Germany's consumer, or not consumer, commercial sentiment, the ZEW, peaked in February, came down in March, and then fell April into May. So we're looking at a globally synchronized, slowly at first, then all at once, potentially. Never know for sure, but all of the things continue to line up in that direction. One of the biggest warning signs wti the oil market contango is back and that's the last thing that we want to see it's worse it's a more ominous signal than it had been in december because we're much further along and supply has gotten much worse where as constricted as restricted as it had been last year it's even more restricted this year not just with opec the IEA is that the International Energy Association came out with its May oil market report. And you have to just laugh at some of this stuff because they can't figure out why oil prices aren't shooting up to $100 a barrel and higher. Let me give you a a sample here. Significant outages in Iraq, Nigeria, and Brazil were only partly offset by increases elsewhere. With global supply, oil supply down by 230,000 barrels a day, to 101.1 million barrels a day in April. So restriction of supply. And steeper losses are in store for May as wildfires shut in Canadian barrels and extra cuts from some OPEC Plus producers take effect. So there it is. Supply, We the oil market should be focused entirely on supply, not just supply, low levels of inventories. Here's what they say about inventory. Global observed oil inventories declined by 7.9 million barrels in March as a surge in oil on water and a slight increase in non-OECD stocks failed to offset a hefty 56 million barrel decline in the OECD. Led by a sharp draw on products, OECD industry stocks fell to a six-month low of 2,753 million barrels, which is 2.7 billion barrels, 89 million barrels below their five-year average. Preliminary April data show a build in on-land inventories and a draw in, uh, in oil on water. Basically, supply is going down, it's restricted, and there is not a whole lot of inventory, a whole lot of spare inventory in any place around the world. Oil should be screaming higher, especially when you consider, according to the IEA, demand is set to rebound substantially in the second half of this year. Back to the report. World oil demand is forecast to rise by 2.2 million barrels per day year-on-year in 2023 to an average 102 102 million barrels per day, 200,000 barrels per day above last month's report. So they raised oil demand. Get this part. China's demand recovery continues to surpass expectation with the country setting an all-time record in March at 16 million barrels per day. Surpass expectations? Where are they getting this from? All the economic data that we have, all the economic data, every last bit of it that China has put out has shown the exact opposite. Even the economists and media have thrown in the towel on China reopening. But of course, the IEA's job, its, its entire job is to sell oil to the world and sell oil at a maximum amount of prices. So of course, they're gonna hype up demand projections as well as supply reality. But that just brings us back to the WTI curve because the WTI curve doesn't have the luxury of just trying to be a shill for the oil market. It's the actual oil market where we have all three fundamental factors traded simultaneously. Supply is only one of them. The second one is demand, but not demand as some economist sitting in front of an econometric model is plotting out, but demand in reality. A realistic, pragmatic look at what's actually happening in China, what's actually happening according to Home Depot and Target and in the rest of the US data, as well as Europe rolling over too. A more realistic assessment of demand might say that demand is the bigger concern now than even supply. It's restricted as supply is and as more restricted as it's going to become, the market is far more concerned about demand. Slowly at first, All at once. And the market is also concerned, WTI Futures, of course, about money and liquidity because that's the third fundamental factor, which gets into the all at once part because once deflationary money becomes the deflationary economy, it usually is no longer slowly at first. So the IEA says supply, 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 inventory, inventory, inventory. And the market says, yeah, we see inventories, we see supply will raise you much lower demand and much tighter money. Statistics. Yesterday, we got retail sales as well as total business sales and inventories. Total business sales and inventories, which are sales and inventories across all three major levels of the supply chain. Not just retailers, not just wholesalers, not just manufacturers, but all of those together. Now, we often think of most uh, of most, uh, we think of it in terms of the end user, how end u- users end up buying products. And GDP accounting in a lot of ways reinforces this notion, which is we, GDP only pays attention to the value added as goods move their way through the supply chain. But yet every time a good is moved from, say, a wholesaler to another wholesaler or a wholesaler to a retailer or a producer to a wholesaler or whatever in between, that's a sale from, for some company. So we're not doing ourselves a full favor by ignoring those business-to-business sales and just focusing on value-added like in GDP. So the Census Bureau puts together total business sales and they explain quite a lot about the slowly-at-first part, where we have been, what Target was talking about with consumers changing behavior last year, which led to this slowdown in nominal total business sales. We see this in a number of statistics, but most clearly... In total business sale which of course tells us all about consumer price pressures as well as why the goods economy is dragging us into a recession slowly at first total business sales were down 0.2 percent year over year in march these are only up to march because it takes some time to tally all of them together but either way it doesn't matter nominal sales were down and they started to go further down toward the end of last year so nominal revenue throughout the goods part of the economy, to which a lot of services depend upon, down 0.2% in nominal terms. In real terms, sales were down 5%. So all of that overordering that began in 2021 and extended throughout 2022 that Target warned about last year... That was an anticipation of consumers not changing their behavior and continuing to spend. And as consumers continued to spend, retailers would continue to spend on inventory. Wholesalers would continue to spend on their inventory. All All of them would continue to spend in producers and manufacturers who then needed materials and on and on and on throughout the entire economy. But as the oil price shock last March pressured consumers in a way we haven't really seen since the 70s, it changed everything. Inventories over the same period, even though consumer pr- and consumer behavior has changed, nominal inventories are up six and a half percent. In real terms, they're up one and a half percent. So nominal inventories up six and a half percent, sales down zero point two percent. You can see why the entire system is grinding to a halt because there's such a huge imbalance between sales and inventory. So we have slowly in the goods economy taking pressure off of consumer and producer prices leading eventually into deflation in commodities as well as the rest of the system that tries its best to align inventories that are way up here with sales that are falling slowly at first but then fall off a cliff. Just to give you some comparison, total business sales were up 3 up in nominal terms, 3.7% from November 2007 through July 2008. So total business sales were still rising through the first half of the Great Recession, which is one reason why there was such a hard time in recognizing it as a Great Recession, or any recession, because as the NBR said, the statistics don't look all that bad. And then, while that was a deceleration in nominal growth and spending slowly, 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 all at once failed. The sales just fell out, fell through the floor. From July, 2008 through the trough of the great recession, total business sales there fell 22% thereafter. Slowly at first, then all at once. So the warning signs continued to pile up. The anecdotes, the stories, the data, markets, in fact, the markets, everything that we see is lining up with exactly what markets have told us. And that's, that's truly the alarming part because markets are telling us we're getting closer to the all at once. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, huge thank you Eurodollar University subscribers, MarketsInsiderPro.com research subscribers, and all of you Eurodollar University members, my sincere thank you.